you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League Podcast always goes for it on fourth down. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hennis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. He's back. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Wessling is back. And Greg Rosenthal's Hey, Dan is a cheap knockoff. Well, yes, <laughs> we all knew that. Just so you know, we are all on board with that. Yeah. It never said it wasn't. I had a few bones to pick when I was listening via the car. Do you have any you want to throw out off the top of the show? Well, first of all, my copy is cleaner than yours, and the uh, desk tells me that is so. So wow. no, your See, copy is not the cleanest. It goes I, back to what I was saying, that different people <laughs> say different things. Though. I would like to know who your source is. Uh, the whole desk. Mm. Mm. I don't know who that is. Except I have for someone. the one that I don't talk to because she's new. Okay, well, we're going so to whoever asks the question Annie. is told they're the best. Right, I think writer. that's what we're on to here. Well, well that means what, either what someone's lying to you or someone's lying to me. Because well, I have someone, a, a lieutenant on the desk that says that my copy is cleaner. I am usually in a place where they would not be lying to me at the time. What are you saying? At a bar? Or another place where. <laughs> Probably a bar. Honesty is usually happening. All right, what other problems do you have? You come back all. Fired wow. up. Yeah, no. Well, you know, this trip Chip was this shoulder. trip was a good time and it was you know, it was all about having a good time. I didn't know it was a referendum on my relationship with this woman. <laughs> it, it, it certainly was. And you know what? We're gonna get into Wes's personal <laughs> life at the bottom of the show. But uh we just wanna let you seem to have a little edge to you, but we are happy that you're back. We wanna get that out there. I'm happy to be back. Um all right, gentlemen. So oh, were you okay with Woody Harrelson as uh, the actor playing you in the ATL movie? Yeah, that one's fine. It, uh, some of the other ones didn't seem to make sense, like John Hamm. Wait, no, that checked out. <laughs> that obviously checked I, out. I like More the, than a few people checked in on the John Hamm. Scenario. Right, it was. Everyone was universally on board with it. That's what you're getting. I at. like the suggestion from one of our Twitter followers of an early Oliver Platt. Early period <laughs> <Wow>. Oliver Platt <laughs> was. I was. That was a little hurtful. I thought maybe that that's not accurate. Maybe that's why Emily didn't want to throw anything out there because well, if she said I that, that to, could be grounds for divorce or something at least at least a conscious uncoupling <laughs> uh gentlemen we have a very nice show we're four across and of course we have the gold standard behind the glass as always doing his thing managing his way through some uh technical difficulties behind the glass before the show started he got it done it just shows so many levels the guy is just operating at full capacity gold standard we appreciate you very kind of you thanks uh t- on today's show we're going to get into um a lot of news. There's a lot of news. We're going to supersize the news and go through everything that's going on in the league over the last couple of days since we were last with you. Uh, we're going to do a little top 100 talk uh, focusing on Tony Romo. And then we're going to get into the discussion that we had been meaning to get to uh, before Wes left on, uh, left on his uh, great romantic sojourn. Uh, we're going to get into the team of ATL talk and, and the, the group of us coming together and deciding – who will be the 2014 team of ATL? Of course, last year was the Carolina Panthers, which turned out to be a good 
a team to get behind. So we'll see if we can hit the nail on the head again. But before we do any of that, uh, Mr. Gold Standard, let's do some of that news. Let's do it. All right, we'll start with two rookie quarterback news hits here, and I'll start with one as an appetizer. Um, Greg, I wanted to throw this one out to you specifically. Mm. Gus Bradley said on Tuesday's edition of NFL Total Access that the Jaguars are comfortable with Chad Henning coming back for another year in the system, and uh, he added, we do feel good about where Blake's at, referring to number three overall pick Blake Bortles, but we feel like this time that he has under Chad a year to develop will be really good in the end result. So Jaguars are sticking with it that Blake Bortles will will spend his rookie year learning and not playing. Greg, do you buy it? No, I don't buy it. Maybe there's a better chance that Bortles is sitting week one compared to most top five picks. I could see them sticking with this plan, but I don't think it'll last very long. I think once they're 0-3 and Chad Henney's playing like Chad Henney, they would go to Bortles. Gentlemen. I agree. I think the plan is for him to sit and develop. Those plans get torn asunder by October or November when the starter isn't playing well enough for the fan base to stomach it or for the team executives to stomach it. Which takes us to Johnny Manziel. A lot of Johnny Manziel news, as you might expect, out of the draft. It it continues to be sent down a road where the Cleveland Browns are making making it known that Manziel will be handed nothing. And uh, at Browns OTAs, Manziel took third-team reps uh, with the Browns. That's behind both Brian Hoyer, who was the starter last year before injury, but also journeyman Tyler Thigpen, who was signed earlier in the offseason. And then you had general manager Ray Farmer, who said on Wednesday that Hoyer is ahead of Manziel by a, quote, substantial margin the uh, exact quote is, I want the best quarterback to start. Who is the best quarterback? Brian Hoyer. What, did we, what do we take of it? Take, take from this? I think we take that it's May 21st, and they're four hours into OTAs. <laughs> Would you be worried if he's substantially ahead of Johnny Mandel in the middle of August? Do you think that they're a little heavy-handed with all this? Oh, Johnny Manziel's a backup. It's not Hollywood. Why are they going so far out of well, their way? Well, I guess they don't have Chad Henney this? on the roster. <laughs> Why are they going painting this message? You know what I mean? Why are they being so aggressive? I don't. It's silly, but it's silly because you drafted him to be your franchise. I mean, you didn't. If you believe Brian Hoyer was was that good, substantially better, you wouldn't have drafted Johnny Manziel. So it's a silly message, but it helps Johnny Manziel in the long run because it tells his teammates, it tells the public that this guy's going to have to earn it. So when he does earn it, he's not he's not going to have anybody saying, well, you got handed the job because you were, I know Dan doesn't like this phrase, a Hollywood type of guy or however they portray him. Right. And he was just making the case that Hoyer has experience. He said, I would say here's a guy that's a five- or six-year veteran who's been in the league that knows def- defenses, reads it quicker, understands it. Hoyer has an advanced calculus d- degree. Johnny's good at math, but I don't know if he's in the advanced calculus stages. And, and Patton, Mike Patton kind of echoed the point, saying he was inconsistent today because the mental part of the game just hasn't caught up. I, I would say that both Jacksonville and Cleveland, from the minute they drafted guys, said, we're not going to announce these guys as week one starters. We want to let this process play out. I'd be really concerned if Cleveland, like, begrudgingly keeps Manziel down come the season just to prove a point. But I think both the Jacksonville and Cleveland has been consistent with their messaging. They have been, but they've gone about it in different ways. It seems like to me that the Browns, it's been heavy-handed in the sense that you could almost picture them being in a conference room and coming up with this plan of how they're going to show Johnny Manziel that they're in charge of the situation. Not just show Johnny Manziel, but show the media and everyone out there that we're not taken by Johnny football. And this guy is going to start at the bottom and he's going to have to work his way all the way up to to paraphrase from uh, one of Manziel's friends, Drake's, one of his big songs. But, um, you know, to me, it it seems unnecessary that Farmer would come out and make that statement today. And in general, I, I would just think that they should maybe tone it down a little bit with this Manziel needs to, you know, earn his keep talk. It's a first-round pick. Lewis Riddick, uh, former pro personnel director for the Eagles and Redskins, had a great tweet 
right before we came up here to the studio. When training camp arrives and you are battling for a roster spot or starting job, how you looked or played in a May OTA means nothing. Yeah. At all. I feel like we should stamp that across all off-season articles. Yeah. Nothing nothing that we write about in May really means anything. These teams that went out and got quarterbacks, that's what matters. They went out and they found quarterbacks in the draft. I couldn't care less depending what team you root for, what happens here in May. I think it's good to split up snaps, give everyone a chance to compete. And the whole first, second, third team, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of OTAs that they've flipped that order around to some degree and give everyone a so, chance at everything. Do you have, Mark, an issue with how the Browns have publicly um, reflected their situation with Manziel so I far? I just said it. All that mattered to me as someone that grew up following the Browns is that they had the cojones to go out and get that quarterback and to move up and down the draft to get Manziel. I don't care about who gets snaps in May. This thing is going to sort itself out. But not the snaps, the handling of the situation. I think you want me to. I don't. Well, no. I mean, it's, wow. I, no, I, think, right. I think that Cleveland I'm is just going, you an Cleveland is going to, to be treated you. as a clown car until they win. I don't think anyone's treating them like a clown car. I I think it's fair for Mark to say that. and On this issue, at least. I, I don't really – heavy-handedness, I, like I said, I think it's silly. It doesn't bother me too much. But it gets to be a problem when you have Manzella, who will probably play in somewhat of a pistol offense. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan has shown a proclivity to do that with RG3 when they took the league by storm his rookie season. So it gets to be a problem when you have two quarterbacks with different skill sets and need different offenses. And- so this should be the installation period. And if Johnny Manziel is going to be your quarterback, you need to start running some pistol, which brings me to my point that I think by September, Tyler Thigpen will be ahead of Brian Hoyer on the depth chart. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot. We should mention that we've been doing this series projecting all the starters for week one. And Chris Wesseling did the AFC North, which is up on the site. He projects that Johnny Manziel will be the week one starter, and he has some softball pants on the line. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pass? And, and not only does he have Johnny Manziel number one, you think Tyler Thigpen will be the backup. That seems a little wacky to me. Why? It checks out. I mean, what, what's happened in, in the last 12 months? <laughs> Brian Hoyer's had two, two, one good start, one decent start. And I asked you this downstairs. Last May at this time, you told me you would take Hoyer over Thigpen. I don't think that's true. Look, listen to what Hoyer had been through in <laughs> the previous you months. Think it's true? Listen to what Hoyer had been through in the previous months before last May. Cut by the Patriots, sat out two and a half months before the Steelers took him, sat on his couch, nobody wanted him. Steelers sign him, he lasts two weeks. Waved. Cardinals claim him, starts one game. Cardinals release him in May. So he's been released three times in less than eight months. But, but he and had a good Penn, start. He had one start. Big Penn had 11 starts out of the pistol, so he is that pistol kind of quarterback. Big Penn had a lot more experience than Hoyer and hadn't been kind of bounced around as much as Hoyer had previously. He was struggling to find a job, though, and Hoyer, I would say even league-wide, had a little more juice to him at at this time a year ago. Either way, we're, we're picking nits. Hoyer's not even 100% healthy. He can't That's do, what I'm saying. Everybody, he, nobody wants to talk about the fact that he's, he's a guy coming off an ACL. And there's injured. plenty of snaps to go around right now because Hoyer's not going to be able to do everything. He might not be able to do everything on August 1st when they're opening camp. So, Wes, the same rhetoric from the Browns is a concern you when it comes to softball pants at all, even no. a little. Mm. No, I, I think what we said, nothing in May should concern any fan. But they should, well, you especially. I mean, you got some nylon, uh, composite parts, <laughs> metal zipper. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? No concern. I mean, Petten mentions Hoy- uh, Manziel's inconsistency. He did not mention the Hoyer's first pass he threw was an interception. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, moving forward. Now some sad news uh, for our own Greg Rosenthal and really – all NFL fans who believe New Orleans and the Super Bowl mm. are uh, TLF. Uh, Super Bowl 52 was awarded by the league's owners. <laughs> what is TLF? True Do you guys love know for, this? True love forever. True love forever. I had no idea. West, okay. If you had a, uh, a girlfriend in middle school. Which I didn't, but. 
TLF, by the way, you can draw it, and I'm drawing with my hand. The L curves in to be the middle row in the F. Zach, yes. you, you can break the tie. Did you know TLF? I had no idea. All right. But again, like Dan, yeah, but he's a different not, a generation. Lot, not a lot of girlfriends in uh, Yeah, school, I was so. still throwing rocks at girls. I have no <laughs> TLF, New Orleans in the Super Bowl. Who uh, are you people? They, New Orleans had been 10 for 10 in bids for the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they were up uh, for the game in 2018. Uh, they wanted to tie it in neatly with their tricentennial, is that what they call it? Yeah, yes. 300th anniversary. 300th anniversary, but it didn't work Top out. that, Minneapolis. Minneapolis uh, wins it in a, a very, what seems to be a close vote. They win Super Bowl 52, so the Minnesota gets its first Super Bowl since 1992. Greg, you were very upset about this downstairs on Tuesday when it was announced. You were, you know, as a Tulane graduate and someone that has connections to the city, we now uh, turn it over to you. I was surprisingly... <laughs> <laughs> This isn't some <laughs> bit where sports writers. All right, cut the music, Gold Standard, <laughs> little punk. <laughs> oh, I told you he awesome. was pumped up about it. Little punk. <laughs> you know, you kind of look like a little Johnny Manziel back there. Wow. Right I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Hubba, hubba. All right, Greg, go ahead. This isn't. You know, I hate it when sports writers complain about you know where they're going to get sent to the Super Bowl or the weather. It, it's not about that. It's just about you have two cities. One is one of the greatest American cities, one of the great international cities in the world, and the and you have Minnesota on the other line, and you're just giving it to them because they have a stadium, and that that's how it worked. And it takes a lot for me to get upset. I was surprisingly, genuinely upset about this. Is the this. door locked? What is that supposed to be? Shadowy league figures. Because oh. I have something to say that the shadowy league okay, figures. Okay, let's hear like it. it. All right, let it rip. Man- Minneapolis does not get the Super Bowl if Oakland and Buffalo did not need new stadiums. It's mm. a message sent to those fan bases to pony up and we'll reward you. That was Chris Wessling, <laughs> who sits in the NFL media newsroom about midway through the room. And that, that stark realization sent the Saints owner tumbling down a... Small staircase. Well, that's not true. Totally. <laughs> well, I, listen. He did. That's Tom not Benson true at all. took a fall. Let's be honest. But it, I don't if think you're it was Tom related. Benson, your chance to host another Super Bowl in, in your lifetime is in danger. Well, I think New Orleans will get another Super Bowl very possibly the next one, 2019 or 2020. It should happen. I just, hey, what a great place to go visit. New Orleans, Minneapolis is great too. But in the middle of February... Let's, Come on. Let's give, and, this is, New Orleans is a treasure. We should all be treasuring. Bro, it should just be there every three or four years. Brush That's up all. on your polka before <laughs> the Super Bowl. And this, is, this was a substantial upset because Benson, who had knee surgery uh, and sat out the draft war room, he traveled to this spring meeting in Atlanta uh, just to ensure that this was a done deal. Here's mm. a quote. He, w- he went to the event just to shake a few hands just to make sure. So – I'm sure they were stunned. And then if you watched, and we got it on the live raw feeds in the newsroom, we had them on the quote. By the way, they call the rooms where all these stuffy people in suits were bidding for these Super Bowls, (laughs) Minnesota, Indianapolis, uh, and New Orleans. There's a camera trained in these conference rooms, and it's just they're called war rooms, which is one of the most absurd (laughs) things I've ever heard, just absolute nonsense. It's a bunch of people sitting around drinking bottled water, and I have to say, I was watching the... A lot of awkward high fives. Yeah, too. Oh, when the Minnesota Vikings were... When Minnesota's granted, the celebration was beyond awkward. Lots of, like, fist bumps and, like, a lady texting and then hugging a stranger. And then there was, like, a moment of awkwardness <laughs> after that hug. And then I switched over to the uh, New Orleans room, and they, and they just you, they showed them, like, one guy waves them, and they're all walking out single file. Then the last guy walks by the craft service table, like, grabs a sandwich as he walks out. <laughs> And it was very sad and also highly entertaining. You know, Dan and I have been to, we've been lucky enough to go to three Super Bowls. And strangely, two of them have been in cold weather. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks like it's the new thing now. It's, it's no longer something that's going to be limited to warm weather cities, which is kind of a bummer for not just not for us, but for since the Super Bowl is such an event that people spend a lot of money to it for, you know, the, there was a woman that was interviewed on NFL Network that was in that quote war room, which is ridiculous. Um, who said that you know get ready because we're going to have the ice festival in town, uh, right? In conjunction with the Minnesota Super Bowl, it's like what? You're just in New York, uh, and, and that's when there's stuff going on in New York, New Orleans. There's stuff going on in New Orleans, Miami. 
you know, the ice bowl? See, to me, it's it's not so much a shot at Minnesota as ignoring what New Orleans has to offer. Part of their presentation was that there was going to be a Mardi Gras parade for the Super Bowl, essentially, or as part of one of their parades, where all 32 teams would have had a float on the parade, and all the teams could have, you know, they all get spots to be on the float. Well, that Top sounds that. that sounds this is, that's America right that there. That sounds tedious to me. Get but I, I don't think if you're New Orleans, you don't even need to make a pitch. Right. You are who you they are. They should have They've it every done year. This. Right. Just give it to New Orleans every single year from now on. That's their tradition. <laughs> you think a power outage had anything to do with it? I don't think. Well, I think Chris nailed it. It's not that stadium in general is an issue compared to hey, look at us. We're a city that just pumped millions into a brand new venue, and now we're going to reward you for it. I think that's all it comes it, down it's to. It's established. If you build a stadium, you are getting a Super Bowl. If it's got a dome on top of it, it you know, there's you get it, period. If Minnesota get one, it's, it's just a fact. If you build a stadium, you get a Super Bowl. And while the Superdome is a historic landmark down there, and obviously with the Katrina, what happened there, it's, it's a big-time uh, place down in Louisiana, but... When the difference between the Superdome and some of these stadiums where they're holding the Super Bowls now, you can't really ignore that. MetLife Stadium is a beautiful place. The Phoenix, where they're having it this year, they have a great venue. They're going to do it in San Francisco as a brand new venue. Minnesota, you know, it's 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 something that comes into play. You get the venue, you're going to get the game. Moving on. MetLife Stadium is beautiful. It's like in a parking lot in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was well put together, I thought. It's nothing stunning. Football stadiums in general, I'm not yeah. going to go too crazy. Well put together. Football's Camden Yards. I did, Some I good didn't union guys in Jersey hammered it together. Right, I didn't see any bolts out of place. Yeah, they fused it. It's fantastic. Huh. Uh, <laughs> moving on, the Buccaneers are now perhaps sold on Mike Lennon as their long-term quarterback, <laughs> uh, or so we're being led to believe. Uh, General Manager Jason Light had this to say about the quarterback who was reportedly uh, being shopped before the draft. We looked at all the tape of last year, having him in the building and going through the that first minicamp with him and seeing how he was in meetings and interacted with the team, and more importantly, how he was on the field, just secured our feelings of how we evaluated him and felt about him. That really helped with our draft strategy. Are we buying this show? No, if you're going to get on, if you want to get on Ray Farmer and every, his every word, this Mike Glennon narrative from the start utter nonsense. I wish you weren't a liar. They wanted to <laughs> trade this guy. The initial, t- first of all, when you are a new coach and a new GM coming in, it would be important to lace your young quarterback with confidence and strong words that are positive right away to establish this is our guy of the future. That's exactly what they didn't do until their draft day plans didn't happen the way they thought they could. We, I don't buy a word of this. We looked at all the tape of last year, they say. And then they determined that Josh McCown was their preferred quarterback. <laughs> and then, then they saw him in meetings and said, wait, well, hey, this guy's got some moxie. Now right. he's our quarterback of the future. Well, he's a great note taker. Yeah. What, shouldn't the tape mean more than note taking? He sits right at the front. He pays attention. He didn't slobber on his desk. <laughs> Speaking of offseason nonsense, uh, Ndamukong Sue has been in the headlines a lot and uh, pro- unwarranted for missing some voluntary workouts uh, on – Wednesday, he had some interesting things to say that, um, speaking of kind of unnecessary comments, he came out and said this, probably a lot of you guys don't know, I could have gone elsewhere when I was drafted, Sue explained, had that decision in my hands, I chose not to take it because that's just the way I saw it. Uh, The Lions had taken Sue with the, when was it? Number two overall pick in the 2010 draft. Number Number two overall pick in the 2010 draft. Why would why is he saying this? Why is Sue coming out with this now? He's probably just as tired as we are about hearing all the speculation why he's why he didn't show up for voluntary offseason workouts. Why 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 do you not like Detroit? So he was saying, look, I, Detroit's fine with me. If I didn't want to go there, I wouldn't have gone there, which seems perfectly fine to me and logical. But uh, the media ran with it and called him bizarre and called him a different cat. It seemed just like a really logical answer to me. Look, if if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. It is my choice. It is for my, for sure my choice. But like I said, that's water under the bridge. This is a product of the NFL needing to stretch what could be 
a serene, quiet time for 32 teams into a year-round year operation where we have stories like this. Who cares if Ndamukong Sue shows up to voluntary workouts in April and May? Is he going to be on the field week one? Yes. Dumb story. And it brings up my least favorite type of question, which always comes up with this sort of thing, which is, what do you think of all the negative reaction to you about missing OTAs? Or do you think that the media is making too big a deal about it? You're asking the question. Just own it and ask it. Just say, and if you, if you think the media is making too much of it, then shut up. Don't say anything. Right. Thank you. Moving forward, this is a, there's a Chip Kelly remote control car story that I'm about to run by. You guys, I don't really understand what's happening with it. So, uh, <laughs> so a seventh-round pick named Bo Allen uh, revealed late last week that Chip Kelly introduced himself by running a remote control car into the uh, nose tackle, the rookie nose tackle. Wes, you wrote this story, so I would like you <laughs> to tell the public what this is all about. Well, offenses and defenses cannot face each other in phase two of the offseason, which is what we're in right now. So in order to gauge the reaction of defensive players, Chip Kelly has a remote control car, which he uses on the line of scrimmage to simulate motion. And then he judges the defensive player's reaction by that. (laughs) I thought it was kind of fun. It was a fun story. It's it's a Chip Kelly type of thing to do. Oh, it's definitely a fun story, but isn't it kind of reek of and smack of Chip Kelly doing this just so people will write about how ingenious (laughs) Chip Kelly is? It worked. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I don't not think saying so, it wasn't because it came out of a, a random seventh round pick in an interview. No one actually saw this on the field. It just sort of. Oh, these things happen to leak, though, when there's a reporter <laughs> sniffing around looking for anything to write about. I think right that's now. fair for you, Dan. What? You think this is some Machiavellian? Uh, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to get them to be talking about the remote control Chip cards, Kelly, and, I'll, and I'll use Bo Allen. I don't think it's Machiavellian on any level, but I think Kelly enjoys his reputation <laughs> as a. Because one thing, and in, in, I love Chris's story, but the Eagles, you know, in the, in the source material that you took it from, are touted <laughs> as this, like, high-octane, high-tech outfit because they're recording meetings and sending them to people on their iPads. So, what's so important about recording a meeting? I mean, that, that's been done for years. I think I made that point, that well, they're probably not the only team doing no, it. But that's the whole point, and the source material is like, and Chip Kelly, for some of you, it, the, the original source, for some of you that are over the age of 25, <laughs> get this. They're sending meetings online to their players through recorded right. content. Please. I just, you know what, Chip Kelly, you're not as brilliant as maybe you think you are. Maybe he's an offensive mind. Wow, you've been kind of anti Chip Kelly from I, the beginning. You know what, though? It's just like. Even you, though he's proven to be kind of ahead of the curve on You some use things. iTunes Genius to pick your music selections, and now all of a sudden you've cracked the human code for how to get guys to operate in pra- practice, and you have smoothies that have vitamins in them, and now you're the guy that understands <laughs> fitness. And by the way, Chip Kelly, fitness, come on, let's be serious here. I don't know, you know, come on. Every, you know. Chip Kelly, come down. Who do you think iTunes Genius is named after? <laughs> That's a Chip Kelly production. I just, I just, the only thing that strikes me as funny about this is if you're a defensive player and, okay, there's no motion across from you on the line in this part of the offseason, but now you're seeing this remote control car, is that, is that genuinely helping you? <laughs> I if don't know. If you're like sitting there you. in, your, in your stance and you're just like, Oh, there goes LaShawn McCoy. Oh, no. That's a one-inch tall, like, four-wheel. <laughs> that I might step on. Is that really going to help you in the, when uh, the season uh, starts? How smart will Chip Kelly look when, he, when one of his players steps on that freaking car and pops an Achilles? You know, it, the only thing, the only person that helps this whole thing is Chip Kelly. Well, you, the Eagles were the least injured team in the league last year. Well, watch out for remote-controlled cars. Maybe his science is working. Yeah. His personalized protein shakes and his customized sleep schedules. If we know one thing about the NFL, this upcoming season, they could be the most injured team in the league. That's true. That's a fair point, Dan. Chip Kelly. <laughs> you know, win a, win a title. Oh, well, I mean, all right. What an NFC East title. Made some one strides year. last year, I'd say. Coming last to first. Back to me when you're in Obama's company in the East Room of the White House. Well, right. Maybe maybe then he'll like deliver the jersey with a remote control car, <laughs> and, then, and then I'll be like, "This guy's a genius," because that that would actually be pretty cool. Um, speaking of people that probably won't ever get to the White House, Tony Romo was uh, wow. the top 100 players of 2014 in NFL Network 
uh, weekly special during the summer and spring and summer that's uh, kicked off. On Wednesday's show, which ran down to number 71 through 80, Tony Romo was in that group. Uh, that put him as the 12th uh, quarterback on the list. So there are 11 quarterbacks ahead of him, and I believe there were two behind him, Kaepernick and Matthew Stafford. Correct. I'm mistaken. Uh, I ask you, gentlemen, Greg wrote a nice piece on the Around the League uh, page about Tony Romo. Is it fair to put Tony Romo at number 12 among quarterbacks? I think that's about right. There's a couple guys in front of him I might not have in front of him or that I'm guessing they're in front of him. Okay, I've seen the list. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's a couple guys in front of him I wouldn't have chosen, and there's a couple guys behind him that might be better than him. I've always been such a Tony Romo believer, and yet at this point of his career, that sounds about right to me in terms of where he is in the NFL pecking order. This is one where with the players doing the voting, it's always interesting to me to see where a guy like Tony Romo shows up because you've heard even in our own office former players come out and they seem to have no more of a in-depth view of Romo than a lot of us do as just fans and people that follow the game where they look at his late game meltdowns and they seem completely affected by that but number 11 feels about right for me I have to give the boss some credit here how refreshing to see a Tony Romo article that's fair and balanced all right I mean it's not it's not an apologist acting like his late Late game failures never happen. Right. And it's not a detractor. Just totally ignoring the fact that all of his rate stats rank in the top five in NFL history. So, yeah, he's somewhere in between that, and I think you nailed it. Well, and Greg also fairly points the blame at Jerry Jones and the way that team has been run during Romo's tenure. Well, that was why I wanted to write about it. I think Tony Romo has been blamed unfairly throughout his career. And in general, I've probably leaned on the side of that he gets too much grief and that he is better than most people believe. But I also recognize they might have missed their window with Tony Romo at his peak. He is turning 34 years old. He is coming off of a back surgery. He's coming off a season where he had the lowest yards per attempt of his entire career. His yards per attempt have dropped significantly over the last two years. He plays it a little safer, less than interceptions, but he's not as accurate. And the numbers match up with what I see, and I don't think Tony Romo is as good as he was five years ago. I think his worst two seasons in the league were the last two seasons. So I just worry, even if the team around him gets better, I think they've missed that window where Romo was at his peak and one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the league. So they should have followed Dan's advice and gone out and gotten Johnny Menzel. Well, it's too late now. I ain't getting no sandwiches. <laughs> I, that I don't know because he's still good. He's got a couple of good years left. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I, I still think he's better than Joe Flacco, the, better I, than Eli Manning, better than a lot of good and quarterbacks. I think what speaks to, Greg, what you're saying is he, he probably has two or three nice Tony Romo seasons left. But even if the Cowboys were a well-run organization, which you could definitely say they're not, it might take them two or three years to be – back in the conversation as a, a real threat in the NFC, and then Tony Romo's 37. So maybe you should have drafted Johnny Manziel. <laughs> he is ninth in NFL history in yards per attempt. There was a period, and he was great the moment he stepped in for Drew Bledsoe, which is very different than most quarterbacks, and he was older. He was a Pro Bowl-type player the moment he stepped on the field, and from that moment, for the next six or so years, he was a top-seven NFL quarterback, and I, I just don't think he's at that level anymore. All right, gentlemen. So, team of ATL. Mm. It's time to talk about it. Um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and uh, I know this all means a lot to us. I know we really enjoyed rooting for the Panthers as a collective unit uh, last season. And and we picked the Panthers about week four, I'd say. That seems year. accurate. Yeah. Right at the end of September, early October. So, I guess the first thing I want to run by you guys, and this is all – uh, open conversation was the idea of potentially getting a little more brave, I'll say it, and picking a team before the season starts. I'm going to start there and I'm going to throw it out to the room. I feel the same way about this as I did about the softball pants discussion. It has to be organic. I don't think we want to be pressured into picking a team to fit anyone's schedule. I liked mm. how it happened with the Panthers. We just grew to like them, and I think that's how it works. It, nobody be nobody would care about this. Nobody would bring it up on Twitter if it didn't happen organically last year. 
All right, how about this? Because I'll throw this out there then. What if we did, we picked a team to enter the season, and then we gave ourselves one Matthew Mulligan, and we could bail on that team and pick a team in late September and run with that team? I think you pick your team. You got to stick with them. Yeah. Through, through uh, hell or high water. I kind of feel that That's way too. That's your team. Too, even but... if they even if they lose games, they're still your team for that year. All right. Well, I just I'm throwing things out there. My thought Mark, is, how do you I know will. the team until you see them play? And that's the thing I love about the NFL. Teams change so much. And you don't really know their personality until they play some games. Yeah. No. And that's certainly fair. I'm also thinking about the podcast and having something locked in. I'm thinking of us as a product rather than something <laughs> organic, which I apologize for. We didn't know the series existed when the season began last year. That's true. Now we do, and so obviously it's let's think ahead, but it's hard right now to zone in on one team. It's a fun exercise, but you talk about organic, it's hard to know where we are. Well, I have, one, are team that is, I have one team that has or- already organically become that team for me, but I don't expect that the three of you do in May. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. The Steelers are that team for me. Mm. Oh, that is rich. <laughs> oh, see, we already got Because I think one thing we all agree on is that this needs to be a unanimous vote for Team of L- ATL. I want to hear them out. I'm not, I didn't rule it out myself. <laughs> yeah, I right. Sessler rooting for the well, Steelers. I, this has been kind of an interesting team to me. I've explained this a few times on the podcast where they were a team that was a perennial contender that took on the look of a rebuilding team early last season. They were abysmal. Uh, since then, they're just now getting to the point where some 2013 draft picks can come in and contribute. They had – I liked what they did in the 2014 draft. Ryan Shazier was one of my favorite players, so that automatically has me interested. It looks like they're a lot speedier, a lot more athletic, and I want to see if they can turn it around and regain contender status. Mm. I don't think the rest of the country sees them that way anymore. And we should probably clarify what a team of ATL is. We're not necessarily picking the team we think is going to win the Super Bowl. It's more – and correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen – just the team that we, we enjoy – and, yeah. yes, they're a good team, and they're going to be a competitive team, but also a team that's easy to root for and fun to watch. And there's some Chip Kelly in us. Which is what? We want to see things before they happen and then get rewarded <laughs> for that. <laughs> that's fair. I like the Steelers' idea. I mean, that's intriguing to me. You don't have to sell me on the whole idea of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger having one final glorious season. I, I picked him to win MVP last year before the year. That didn't work out too well, but. Well, I tried. I, I'm curious, uh, Mark. I'm pretty sure the Steelers aren't your initial pick. Maybe you'll come around on them. Is there a team that maybe you're interested in right now? The team that came to mind right away for me is the Colts. Mm. A. Mm-hmm. I, Chris, you love big. You love Big Ben, and I, I respect Big Ben as a player. I think he's fun to watch. I feel that way about Andrew Luck, where I can sit down and watch a Colts game, and because of him, primarily. I'm plugged in right from the start. I think they've got some interesting weapons on offense. I think Hakeem Nix is in for a bounce-back year in that offense. I want to see what happens with Trent Richardson in the backfield. The defense, potential disaster zone, but that could create <laughs> some high-scoring, interesting games. There's something about the Colts that, it, for me, as Proved a— offensive yeah, line. I, uh, I, that's my team. Fun team to watch. I've got they're, others, they're but that's my number that one. because of Andrew Luck. There might not be a player I enjoy watching more than Andrew Luck. But right. I've kind of, I still like the Colts. I'll enjoy watching it, but I'm not wild about their off season. And now, if if they're going to pass our early season test, they're going to have to do it without Robert Mathis. Right. Well, and teams don't necessarily have to win early either. We picked the Panthers when they were struggling a little bit. Bounce back. I just see a team that has the same issues on the offensive line, the same issues on defense, and the same offensive coordinator who prefers his philosophy to the to gearing it towards the personnel. I don't disagree at all, but I think that Luck is going to be an example of a quarterback that kind of overrides all of those on-paper issues. That would not surprise me. Greg? Oh, I've got so many right now. This is like... I just throw, throw It's out like one. we're single here, and there's just so many <laughs> beautiful women out there. And hubba, hubba. You don't even Look know. All these babes. This is hot nothing babes like everywhere. That. Save okay. that for Seduction Friday. One, one hot babe, Greg. No, I can't just limit it to hubba, one. Hubba, hubba. I think the Bucks are going to be a team to watch for. Trendy. On my list. Fun young, maybe like a little too trendy could be fun. Trendy. trendy. The Raiders would be a fun one. Now, Get out of now here. I'm, I, bear with me here. It will never happen. A little too much shop here. But there is nothing I would enjoy more this year than the Raiders coming out of the gates 
and being feisty and just battling their way to a 9-7 and seven type of season that no one saw coming. That's something that would get me excited. Okay, and that's I the like type that. of thing that the team of ATL. They're like the bad news bears. No. Different guys mm-hmm. are showing nope. up. One guy came from jail. Another guy came from, you know, he's been out of work for 10 years. It's not quite like that, but mm-hmm. 11 or 12 different people, different cities coming together. I like that in the sense that last year's <laughs> ATL team seemed like a from the wilderness group that no one saw coming. Right. Colts are not that. And frankly, sorry, Chris, the Steelers are not an underdog team on any level. It doesn't have to be an underdog no, team. No, but, but the Raiders would be about – we go from a team that, that prevented Chris from eating softball pants – to talking nine and seven—that's wacky. I don't. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I will say, Greg, that the reason why you shouldn't get your hopes up is because during your entire rant, Wes said "nope" like five times. <laughs> right. Unless true. I get a written apology from at least a hundred Oakland Raiders fans, I will not. Oh, I will exercise my mm. pocket veto. That's it's a good personal. point. How about this? Like how that. about this one? Bruce Arians in the Kangol hat. Steve Kime in his converse. Patrick Peterson, Darnell Dockett, Calais Campbell, Carson Andre Palmer, Ellen's, pick that, sixes. Forget about that. Oh. That could be a fun little team. That's that, a fun team. That's a fun team. Cool. If Greg would have stuck to doing one team, he wouldn't have taken my team, which was the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to go with four more. Can, <laughs> can the ATL get behind Carson Palmer? That's a tough one. That that's is tough. tough. One. I can get behind that team. Everybody else. What if Drew Stanton takes over? No, I can't I get like behind that. that either. No, I could. Do you have another one? more exciting sorry, to me. I didn't know. No, it's okay. I mean, I thought you set it up pretty well there. Uh, uh, I'll throw out another one. I like the Packers. Oh, I, yeah. I thought the Packers yeah. were playing very well. That team uh, excites Before Rodgers went down, I think they, they, you know, they made some moves that are nice. And Aaron Rodgers, if, if everybody thinks Andrew Luck's their favorite quarterback to watch in the league, he's probably in my top three. But Rodgers is still my favorite personally. So I'm kind of feeling the Packers as a bounce-back team that, could do some things this year and maybe won't be a popular pick now that they've kind of gotten some Roaring distance back from, from their 15 and one campaign of two seasons ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you got to admit that <laughs> seems like a long time ago. Let me throw one quick out. I know Dan is going to veto this. The Eagles. I find mm. them fat. Forget all the chip. Cal- I agree with you about oh the, the there's a little they, bit of, no, there's a, how could they be a, team there's a bit of, of a pompous beeline to chip Kelly, which bugs me, but the team is fascinating to watch. I think they're going to be a major player in the NFC. That's my. I feel team. like half the league, the half the pundits will pick them to get to the NFC title game. How could they be? Oh, a team and not the Packers. Well, you just said the Packers. The ah. Packers are going to be one of the top three yeah, or four but they favorites. Don't have Chip Kelly involved. Ugh. Chip Kelly. I feel like we haven't even <laughs> remote control wow. car. Who do you hate more, Chip Kelly or Teddy Bridgewater? I like Teddy. He just seems to. He's a kid. He's a little confused. He's mixed up. But when you take a remote control car and you're driving across the field and basically, you know, pointing to reporters, hey, look what I'm doing. I'm cool. He didn't point to reporters. (laughs) I think he probably would have preferred if that story never even came out. Yeah, right. We haven't even mentioned the elephant in the room here. Bo Bo Allen. All right, go ahead. I feel like if if I was going and uh, making a sandwich proposition on this and I was predicting, of course, I'm part of the decision, but I'm, I was predicting what team would be the team of ATL. I think the leader in the clubhouse right now, you're Cleveland Browns. You got Johnny Football. You've got a team coming out of nowhere. You've got a feel-good story. You've got Kevin Costner. You've got it all. I'll tell you what, Josh Gordon really took the yeah. air out of that yeah. point. You know what's hard? He's ever. He's a wide receiver. Do you really want to watch Nate Burleson and Earl Bennett all year? He's a wide receiver. Calvin Johnson has not helped the Lions escape from being – the Lions, and he's Calvin Johnson. He's just one player. I thought, the Browns are bigger than that. When I woke up Friday morning after the draft, I thought they would been Vegas would take them off the board as the team of ATL. Mm. And when Gordon went out of the lineup, or we don't know what's going to happen with Gordon. Maybe he'll get banned six games, and he'll still be in play for them. But uh, that that was painful. I can't get behind that team anymore because I think their ceiling is probably eight wins. I could still get behind. I'm saying I'm not ruling them out. This could be a possibility right, come August. It what, concerns if, what if Miles me, Austin looks me. rejuvenated? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't rule them out by any stretch. But Gordon, that was killer. There aren't. If you look at Cleveland's defense, for instance, and with Mike Penn as the coach, there's not an area of that defense that's a major issue. They are going to be. I don't see a three and thirteen what type year, if? but putting all our money. On the Browns in May, it feels we're not a little predicting shaky. they win the Super Bowl. We're just, just predicting they'll be a fun team to follow. Yeah. What if Charles Johnson emerges? I like, <laughs> I like this guy he, who I, I've never seen a snap of. What if he emerges as a player? 
here, here's how That's I define what. Who's Charles Johnson? He's a guy the Packers drafted in the seventh round. He's a favorite of draft next because he's like right. 6'2", 230. Highly athletic, ran a 4-3 something. And then the Packers, he, he, they thought he tore his MCL in training camp. It turned out <laughs> to be his ACL, so they stashed him on the practice squad. Right. Browns claim him off the practice squad needing a wide receiver. And discovery is a torn ACL. Well, he didn't know well, that he guy. had a torn ACL. Till, oh, yeah, well, no, but he's, guy. you know, the in quotes, size, speed, freak. And <laughs> it's this, like, dark horse candidate that's in the back of the depth chart. But He's like the Ricardo Lockett of this offseason. You, 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 you mentioned, <laughs> wow. you, mentioned you know, you were trying to figure out what is the team of ATL. I think this is my definition. It's a team. It's what Wes said. It's a team you want to root for. It's a team you have no choice but to root for. That that's pretty much. Sounds it. like the Jets to me. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the veto green permanent Meadowlands permanent veto. I know where my veto is going. <laughs> I love Rex, but I can't stand the way the media covers that team. All right, all right. Just threw it out there. Back off, everybody. Um, so we're going to be tracking this all off season. You know, we're going to be figuring out who this team will be. You know, we might end up picking the team later into the regular season if we want to take a more no cowardly route, but we can. We'll figure it out. Um, and Gold Center behind the glass. Uh, I was thinking this is, seems like an exercise that needs a, needs a theme song. And I, I was thinking the man for this is the great Dick Banks, who of course has some experience with the ATL podcast or the original incarnation. Oh, you mean this? And Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news, and here's their chance. It's ATL around the league. <laughs> Light of flame, boys. Pig skins hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn. There was, <laughs> the, great, the great Dick Banks and, you know, Dave Damashek, who we owe Dave a lot because he put us on the back end of the Damashek podcast, I guess about, about two years ago now, really tried to start this movement making Mark Sessler uh, Mr. Fancy Pants, because his Twitter handle was Mark Sessler underscore ATL or NFL, excuse me. Well, Mark Sessler was not available. Yeah. Someone out there jumped on that, and so I used my name with NFL at the end, and he found that to be a headache. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> what do I have? Like one, I have like maybe a, a clothes closet that has like six <laughs> items in it, tops, and I'm getting labeled Fancy Pants. got an pants. entire <laughs> shirt closet. <laughs> so anyway, obviously, we that had to be retired when we became a larger group. But uh, Dick Banks did a great job of that. So we're thinking maybe put him in charge of a, some type of song about who will be the team of ATL. So Gold Standard, as our producer, do you think you can get on that? I'll get on that. I don't know where Dick <laughs> Banks is. He could be at the top of a castle. He could be in a, a dingy apartment in Venice. I know nothing about the man, but his he's talented. His fee will come out of your non-existent salary. Yeah, incredibly Zach. nominal salary. That sounds good. <laughs> you have a non-existent salary? Yeah, I, I just do this for fun. you got to get out of here. Pro there. bono. <laughs> um, all right, so that's it for today's edition of the ATL Podcast. Before we go, Wes, uh, just one update. We'd love to know. Um, there was a lot. It felt like it, and maybe this was just more my feeling, if there was a lot riding on this weekend with your sig- significant other, Aaron. Um, are you now in a committed relationship, and are you thinking wedding bells? <laughs> Who are you? No, nah, I mean, this could be something that's happened. I think you have misread this trip from the beginning. It was a way for me to go up the coast and to bring someone along with me, and she was a very – we have always traveled well together, the two of us. Mm-hmm. I've always had a good time. We get along well. Um, mm-hmm. We have 2,500 miles separating us. We've realized that from the start that we're up against this, so – I think we've been realistic from the beginning. It's a, this wasn't something that we thought was going to result in wedding bells, you know, right right, right away or within, you know, I don't I don't know what will happen, but You're I think first... we're both realistic about it. Right. You're the first guy I've ever heard ask another guy that question. Wedding bells. <laughs> Does she have an issue with Dan turning your whatever status is relationship? Into a ratings grab. <laughs> she <laughs> listeners tuning in right now. What's going on with what? Sure, you did get some backlash about this, Dan. Not what? just from Wes, but you know, people were coming up in the newsroom, being like, "Wow, well, you, you know, pe- people were coming up." 
Well, they, I think some people misconstrued my conversation with Aaron, but I, I see it sounds like Aaron's a very nice girl and Wes is a very good guy, so I'm sure, I'm did, sure it's a nice team. I did catch heat from her because you forgot her name. I, and I, yeah. must, I must not be talking about her enough around the office. Yeah, because no, you. I ju- I'm just bad with names, which is a sign of like self-absorption. So that's exactly I what were, I told her. Dana yeah. is so self-absorbed, he yeah. couldn't remember. You your were name. deemed slightly it. insensitive. Eh, it is what it is. But we I, know you. Do we it? know you, and we know that's not true. <laughs> of course not. No, but I, I'm looking forward to meeting Erin one of these days. She seems like a great girl, and we're glad that you're back and didn't just settle up in some shack. I thought about maybe the joining the Esalen Institute up there by Big Sur. Mm. <laughs> what do they do? It's a, uh, they are very big into kind of, um, Mark would love it. They're very organic. They're into poetry. uh, They don't like food. (laughs) They like French fries (laughs) and olives. It's like a new agey type of thing, but it's discovering human potential. And it's a little off the beaten path, which, you know, like I said, I'm not a freeway guy. And this was a good reminder I think we need to recharge every once in a while. Maybe if this doesn't work out with this woman, we could go up and start a new life up in the Esselong Institute. Hmm. Not that, together. That's, but a, I good mean, to, that's just, a good way to end the show. Yeah. <laughs> just a cliffhanger to that's, Friday. Right. We'll keep Mark's wife out of this uh, podcast. We'll tell her there was no podcast today. Um, gentlemen, that's it for today's edition of the Run League Podcast. Thought we got, got a lot of in, uh, info in there. We, uh, we'll be back on Friday with a special guest, Bucky Brooks, who will, Friday morning, in fact, we're going to uh, get the podcast, we're going forward at least through the rest of the spring and through the summer, we're going to get the podcast up first thing Friday morning on the West Coast, Um, so look for it to land earlier than you typically see, so get excited for that. Bucky Brooks, uh, draft analyst and scout uh, extraordinaire, will be back in the studio with us. He says he has some goodies to unload and he will do it here, so that's good. Well, it sounds pretty good, I guess. Uh, but until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and the gold standard behind the glass. Until Friday. Mmm, tasty. Wow. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. Undercovertourist.com. Come.